Philippians uh, chapter number four. I'll share a few things once we get uh, to the end of the service, too. I got a th- few things I want to tell you, but I want to share this. And you say, Well, preacher, you could have just stayed at the house. And it's not that I don't have confidence in Brother Brandon because I do. I got 100% confidence in him. That's not that. I needed to be here today uh, for my own sanity. This is what I do, this is who I am. Um, and God called me to preach, and I told him last night, I said, You go ahead and plan and prepare. I said, I don't know what the night will hold. I said, but I'm planning on being here today, good Lord willing, if the Lord allows me to. It's sort of like a fire that shut up in your bones, sort of like Jeremiah. And uh, there's some things I just got to get out today. I thought about going out and preaching to the trees last night, but that wouldn't do no good. Uh, I guess I'd have bored the possums and the coons and the squirrels to sleep. But anyhow, there's a few things I want to share out of Philippians chapter number 4, and I hope it will be a blessing to you today. But again, from the bottom of my heart, uh, a simple thank you is not enough. It's not sufficient, but just thank you for the cards, the text, the food, everything, everything that everybody has done. I want to say thank you. You continue to pray. She's doing well, and a real, real weak, but she's doing good, and she's clear as a bell, and a communication, her speech, comprehension, all that as well. And I just say to God, be the glory for the great things that he has done. And listen, you can you could tell me medical things and, and different scenarios, but I'm telling you, at the end of the day, it's just God. That's, you'll never convince me any other way. But this morning, Philippians chapter 4, you study the book of Philippians. Of course, this is one of those epistles, and that epistle is just simply a letter that Paul had pinned down. He was the human author. He was the human instrument. Of course, Holy Spirit uh, allowed him to pin down everything that he pinned down. This was a prison epistle that he had pinned down while he was in a Roman prison. And he pinned this down to a church that he loved. This was his most personal letter that, that uh, he had sent out. And when I think about this, you study the whole book of Philippians. The main theme of that, because you see it multiple times, is to rejoice in the Lord. And my, how you and I 
ought to do that, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation. Every one of us, as children of God, born again, blood washed, forgiven of all of our sin, we ought to be able to rejoice in the Lord, regardless of what comes our way. Because listen, uh, all those circumstances may change. He never does. The Bible lets us know He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can rejoice in that fact alone, that He stays God, regardless of what we face. But the Bible said this, in verse number 4, because Paul teaches us several things. There's 10 verses that I want to read, and there's 10 points to those verses that I'm just going to go through, and I may share. I don't really have a whole lot of notes here, but I'm just going to give you my heart, and I hope it will bless you today as you look. Paul was trying to teach them something in, at the church in Philippi. God wants to teach us something. He's taught me many, many things, but again, if you don't get anything else, you get this. In all the years that I've been saved, in all the years that I've been ministered, not one time, Brother Brandon, has the Lord ever failed me. Not one time has he ever let me down. Not one time have I had to say, God, why is this happening? I've never had to do that. Why? Because he's God. He is in control. And we can rejoice. Not just part of time. The scripture said, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We ought to be able to give thanks, and we ought to rejoice. The first thing that Paul hit in verse number 4, he had to do, or he talked, or he covered the, the, the topic of praise. For the Bible said in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Now how could Paul say that? He's sitting in a prison. He's there not because he's a murderer, not because he's a thief, not because he's a drug dealer, not because he, is, he swindled somebody, not because he had a big rise against the government. He's there because he's preaching to death the burr on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it cut against the grain. And he's in that prison house for preaching the Word of God. If anybody could sit back and, and have a poochie lip, so to speak, it would have been the Apostle Paul. But he said, listen, church, I want you to know you ought to rejoice in the Lord, not just part of time, but always. And again, I say, rejoice. So he teaches us about praise. You know what? We can praise Him. In the, it's, it's great when you got money in your pocket and you can praise Him. It's good when health is good to praise Him. But man, what, what if your health goes? What if your money goes? What if the issues come? Hey, He's still worthy to be praised. And we all rejoice in the Lord. So regardless of what you face, you've heard me stand in this pulpit many, many times and share this thought. And to say this, Job 14.1 said, Man that is born of, a born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. How many times have you heard me say, There'll come a day if we live long enough. Trouble's going to pull into your driveway. Christy even quoted that to me the other day. Trouble's going to pull into your driveway. It's going to knock on your door. It's going to come into your house. It's going to sit in your recliner. It's going to lay in your bed. It's going to go to sleep with you, and it's going to wake up with you in the morning. It's just a matter of time. It's not if trouble's going to come, when trouble is going to come. But listen, you and I have a different perspective being children of God because God's in absolute control. He's got our best interests in mind. He's never failed. He's never let us down. And you and I can praise God and rejoice, not just part of the time, in the good time. He said always rejoice in the Lord. So he teaches us something about praise. Not only about praise, but look at verse number 5. He teaches us a little bit about prophecy. Here in this text, the Bible said, verse 5, Let your moderation be known unto all men. Now, what does moderation mean? It simply means to be gentle, 
to forbear others, it simply means also to forgive others. Well, why should we do that? What are you talking about prophecy, preacher? Notice that last phrase in verse number 5. Why should we let our moderation be known unto all men? Why should we be gentle and forbear and to forgive? He tells us with the idea of prophecy because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. In other words, Paul said, hey, the Lord's going to come one day. We better make sure our moderation is right unto all men. We better be showing forbearance. We better be showing gentleness. We better be showing forgiveness one to another. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. So he teaches us about praise in verse 4, to rejoice in the Lord, not just some of the time, not part of the time, but always. And again, I say rejoice. He teaches us about prophecy. that Hey, we better let our moderation be known unto all men. Be gentle before bear. Forgive because the Lord is at hand. We shouldn't want to be caught with that. And the Bible talks about in 1 John not to be ashamed at His coming. The, our choir sings that song, Our Lord is Coming. There's a phrase in there that we ought not have to be ashamed when the Lord returns if we show moderation to other men. And look at verse number 6. He also talks about prayer. I may dig right here just a minute. He teaches us about praise. He teaches us about prophecy in verse 5. But verse 6, He teaches us about Prayer. Now that first phrase, he said, be careful for nothing. You know what that literally means? Don't be anxious. Don't be stressful. Boy, I'm preaching to myself right here. Any of you ever been anxious? <laughs> you might as well say amen. Well, oh, preacher, I don't worry. And you know why? I even preached from this pulpit not that long ago. We were, I guess I was in the book of Amos because Christy asked me. I remember where I was standing. It been about three weeks ago. She said, don't you ever worry about anything? I said, well, no, you know, I really, I can't really think right now of anything to worry about. Well, boy, did the Lord uh, burst my bubble here in the last week and a half. So you, you better be careful what you say. And, uh, but you know what? A lot of times we, 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 may, we may not say we worry, but we fret about things. He said, be careful for nothing. But watch this. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. He teaches us some things about prayer. I made this statement. I know Brother Jason remembers this, but 95% of the things, somebody done a study, 95% of the things we worry about never, ever come to pass. And we fret about. And you say, well, God's in control. He is in control. And we can rejoice about that. But you know what we have to deal with, Brother Randy? We have to deal with this old stinking flesh. <laughs> this old stinking flesh that rears up. And you fret about things, and you think about things that you shouldn't sometimes, and things cross your mind, and, and then it defeats you, it discourages you. But that's why we ought to be instant in prayer, and of course, in everything by prayer and supplication. You know, we, we've had a little bit of a turbulent week, and, and again, I'm not here, I have, I have no complaints. Listen, I, I sent a couple texts earlier in the week, and this is before we even got the touch of healing. If God never answers another prayer for me and my family, He's still good, He's still God, He's still faithful. There, there's no complaints here. You're not going to see me with a poochy lip. I, I'm still the most blessed man on the face of this planet. You can't convince me otherwise. But you know what I was thinking? We come home after she was diagnosed with a stroke on Saturday, and of course, on Sunday we come home, and she's doing a little bit better. Well, Monday evening she had that terrible, terrible seizure. We didn't know what it was. I thought it was another stroke. And all the way through that thing, Sister Janet, we all that week before she was having problems, and God protected her and protected her and protect. Even when she had that seizure there at the house, we were right there with her, so she didn't get hurt, she didn't get injured. And you know what? A lot of times you worry and you fret. You say, "Well, man, what in the world's going?" 
going to be on the horizon? What's going to be next? But listen, if you'll just pause and you get, in, you get in prayer and you ask God, God will remind you of some things. And man, I've got a trail all the way back, Brother Howard. There's things I've even forgot about that God's done for me. But if you'll just wait just a minute and you start counting your blessings, man, I'm telling you those blessings will outweigh all the difficulties, all the problems, all the issues that you may have. And you know, sometimes we forget about, you know, man, Lord, you remind me, you know, 20 years ago, yeah, you done that. 15 years ago, yeah, Lord, you done that. 10 years ago, you done this. A year ago, you done that. And Lord, I'm standing in need again. And you see what God has done. And it lets that anxiety, it just bursts that anxiety bubble, I guess you could say. And you begin to pray. And as we call the EMS, the EMS is coming uh, on Monday night. And uh, we were getting ready to go. They, we got help to get loaded up into the hospital. And she was not responsive. Uh, to us and as they left and we was getting ready to leave but there's one thing I knew I needed to do as before I even text you brother Brandon I ain't a doctor I don't know all the, I don't know the ins and outs of medical terminology I've seen a lot of it in in pastor I'm telling you a lot of stuff I've seen I've witnessed and and been around but I can't do all that stuff but there's one thing I could do once we got her in ambulance, before we left, Garrett was over underneath the tree somewhere praying. Daddy was somewhere around the house praying. And I went in, and of all places, Brother Brandon, I just fell down in the, in the closet in a sock basket. Now, that's not the most sanitary place to be. I slobbered all over that thing, and I begged God, and I was quoting verses and just, just claiming promises that God had given me. Before I got out of there, got, got my bearings straight, got my clothes on, getting ready to leave, and I, I couldn't forget, I had to go out and hang on to that hitch. One more time, I prayed again. And then I sent out one text. I sent one text to Brother Brandon. I said, listen, just send out a call them all to the church. And uh, so he did. There's about an hour lapse from the time that I seen her to the time that I got to the hospital, all those thoughts go through your mind. Now, listen, I'm just being transparent. I, I made out, I want to bless you right. I want God to bless you right here. All those thoughts go through your mind. You know what I'm talking about as you're traveling down the road. The last thought that you've seen, man, and I've been around this thing long enough to know, man, probably going to see her on a ventilator when I get to the hospital. I don't know what kind of shape she's going to be in. And, man, we get there and, and uh, we go inside, and the little, the, those guys at the front, those police officers, they were Christians. And uh, boy, what a blessing that was. And we talked. And, and as we go back, the man said, he said, well, listen, they said she's up and talking. I said, really? She's up and talking. Yeah, she's up and talking. So we go in, and we go into B9. Now, just stay with me. Said that's where she's at. And we go into B9, and there wasn't anybody in there. There's another man sitting in there. And uh, his family member had went to take a test. I thought, Lord, it's a clerical error. And that wasn't Christy. It's somebody else. So he began to ask. And he said, well, where's Miss Pointdexter? And they said, well, she's in B8. So just adjacent to that, I went by. And you've been in the ICU, or not in the ICU, but in the emergency room in Forsyth. They got them little old curtains, which ain't much. And then there's the glass windows. When I come around, there's a little, there's a little crack in the windows. I... <laughs> As I come around, we made eye contact, and she went. <laughs> and I went in, and of course, I, I was slobbering all over before she left, and I slobbered all over. I don't mind telling you that. When I got there, and you can say, well, preacher, you know, medically, 
uh, this, that, and the other. But the EMS driver said five minutes before she got to the hospital, there was a change. She came to and came back to normal. And uh, you can say what you want to. <laughs> that's the prayers of God's people. And uh, that's a debt that I could never repay. And all those things, we should be careful for nothing. You might be anxious over something. You know, the last few days, Brother Kevin, God's given me strength to do things I never thought or imagined I would be able to do. And I give God the glory. He's enabled us to do some things. But I, I credit that to prayer. You know, I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what kind of anxiety, what kind of fear. And I knew, as like coming home, I had this anxiety. Listen, I know it well. 2 Timothy 1, verse number 7. For the Lord hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We know that fear doesn't come from the Lord. It comes from the enemy. But I'm just here to tell you. I, I, I'm here to encourage you, the flock at Faith Community Baptist Church. And listen, I've had churches call uh, Brother Pope, bro, uh, different ones, Brother Stroud, different people, Brother Gamins, all over, church, Brother Carver, people that I ain't even going to Brother Barker, people I could go on and on and on. Say, preachers, say anything we can do. Do you need it? I said, listen, i got the greatest church family in the world. All I need is God's prayers. And man, prayers went out all over. And you'll never convince me that, that prayer wasn't the thing that turned everything around. But Paul talked about praise. He talked about prophecy. We're just three in. He talked about prayer. Look at verse number 7. <laughs> he talked about peace. Here we go. Look at verse 7. Now, keep in mind, as this building, he said, be careful. for no, Don't be anxious. You be in prayer. And once you do that, uh, there's a cause and effect. If you're not anxious and you pray and you give thanksgiving, you bring everything to God, then look at verse number 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, say, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There's something about the peace of God. As Christy was having that struggle Monday evening before she went into that seizure, she was having trouble speaking and comprehending, but she did. She said, I can't, she can't, I, I can't even think to pray. But I'm glad God has an intercessor. That'll intercede on our behalf with groanings which cannot be uttered. You read Romans chapter number 8. That's exactly what it said. When we can't even pray, man, we've got an intercessor in the Holy Spirit of God. Then we've got an intercessor with the high priest, the mediator, and the advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, which is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. Now, she did say, she said, you know, I, I couldn't pray, but she's been given that peace. God, give me peace. Regardless of what happens, the world can't comprehend. How in the world can people go through things without the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't get it. I don't understand. People go through and, and listen. A lot of folks say, yeah, preacher, I got something I can live with. Well, let me ask you this. You got something you can die with? It's a good question. You got something you can die with? You better make sure. Because I'm telling you, there is peace that comes from another world. And boy, I'm glad it's real. Look at verse number 8. Not only that, he, he talks about pondering. He deals with this. He talks about praise and prophecy and prayer and peace. But he talks about pondering. Where should our thought life be? Look at verse 8. I love this. He said, finally, and that means he's wrapping up this letter. Finally, brethren, so he's talking to believers. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. 
You know, we're a product of our thinking. Did you know that? We're a product of our thinking. Now listen, if all you do is turn on the television in the morning, turn the television on at noon, turn the television on in the evening, and you listen to all the negative reports, then you're going to be a negative person. Yeah, man. You just are. If you hang around people that, that are known to be that black cloud, you know what I'm talking about? You've heard me say that before. Some folks will come into a room, and, man, they're like a ray of sunshine, and they'll pick you up. And then there's others. You might be having a good day, but, man, somebody else will pop in. It's everything negative, 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 negative. They're just like a cloud goes around. And, and man, that, that's a, it's like a plague. It'll jump on you, and it'll suck the spiritual life and vitality out of you. But God said, if we'll think on things that are true, think on things that are lovely, of good report. All those things, if we'll think on those things that are just and honest and true, man, He deals with our pondering. It will help us. It'll help us in our Christian life to have a positive attitude regardless of what we face. Because here's what's going to happen. Things are going to happen. Again, God don't change, but your circumstances will. Now, you got the option then, if you're thinking negative all the time, when something pops up, you're going to say, oh, woe is me, I've got this great obstacle. Or you can look at it, well, you know, I, my circumstances have changed. I really don't have this obstacle, but now i got opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else. God, you put me in a path where I can be a blessing to somebody else. It's a, it's, we're a product of our thinking. So he deals with pondering. We ought to ponder on good things. Again, it's not a matter of if, but when your circumstance is going to change. you got a leg to stand on. How's your foundation? Hey, listen, that stroke, that seizure, your walls may be crumbable. I'm glad I'm on, I'm on a ground that is unsinkable, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, we ought to ponder on, per, on things that will help us. Look at verse number 9. Then he deals with our practice, putting some things into practice. Look at verse 9. Those things... Which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Here's the key word, do. You know, a lot of times we don't have a problem in hearing. A lot of times we don't have a problem in seeing. We don't have a problem in learning what to do. We just don't ever put it into practice into our life. And we never reap the benefits because we've heard, we've learned, we've seen what to do. We've seen how to handle situations. God tells us what to do. But until we do it and put it into practice, it's not going to help us. So Paul deals with practice here. He said, the things that I've, I've learned, I've received, you've learned and received and heard and seen me, do it. And then the God of peace shall be with you. You know, there's a blessing to application. A lot of folks say, yeah, I'm going to study my Bible. That's, you need to study your Bible. That's how God will talk to you. And you never know when you're going to be in a position where you, you can't really read. I'll be honest with you, there for about a week, man, I, I was out of the Word. But there's things in there that God would bring to my remembrance that, that he would come to me, boy, that helped me through that. Don't you ever tell me the Word of God ain't powerful. Don't you ever tell me it ain't quick. Don't you ever tell me that it won't comfort you and it won't help you because it will. How many times have I looked in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1 where it talks about the God of all comfort that comforted us in all of our tribulation that we may be able to help those that are in the same circumstance down the road with the comfort wherewith we received of God. I'm convinced of this. God allows you and I to go through things so you and I can help somebody 
somebody else down the road. Listen, I cannot sympathize with somebody that has got cancer. I ain't got a clue, man. I've never experienced that personally or real, real close to my family. But many of you have went through cancer. Some of you going through it now. Some of you facing treatments and different things. Well, listen, as God helps you and as God heals you, listen, you can be a blessing to somebody else down the road that's facing the same thing. You know what I thought about? Verses come back to my mind, Brother Wayne, about Ezekiel. God allowed Ezekiel to, and Ezekiel's wife to have a stroke. You study the Word of God, that's exactly what happened. He said, don't you mourn over her? And that was for a reason to be a message unto the people of the land. He said, don't you mourn over your wife. And the message was to the people as as they were taken into captivity, the temple would have been sacked, the land would have been raided, and they were not to mourn. Well, I can sympathize now with old Ezekiel just a little bit to a certain degree. But you know what? God allows us to go through things so we can be a comfort and a help. It allows us to have a little, let's shall we say, a little more sympathy toward others that go through similar things. But he said we got to put things into practice. we got to apply principle. And where I was going with that with the Word of God, listen, we ought not just be hearers of the Word. We ought to be what? doers of the word putting things in to practice so he deals here with pondering and practice but then he talks about provision look at verse man this is just a wealth it's a wealth uh there there's no way we're just scratching the surface here i preached a bunch of messages out of philippians 4 but not like this it's just verse by verse as we go down look at verse 10 he talks about provision i mean he covers 10 things in these 10 verses he said, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein you were also careful, but you you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. He's talking about provision. Now again, Philippians, the, the, the letter of Philippians to the church in Philippi was Paul's most personal. He's thanking them because he was in Thessalonica, and once and again they they sent unto his need. They supplied his need as a church family to the Apostle Paul. And I think about that provision. I was reminded this week of just the prayers, not only the prayers, the calls, the food, everything that everybody has done. And and we were even talking last night, Brother Brandon, I, 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 me and Garrett and Christy, and, and I don't know if Dad and Mom was in there at that particular time or not, but just making this statement, I guarantee you there was probably more than 10. I could have sent a text or I could have called no less than 10. And probably in less than 30 minutes, 10 people from our church, probably more than that, would have been there if I genuinely, I really believe that. There's not a person in here right now. Some of you members, some of you not. I believe if there was a need, if I were to call you, I believe you would have helped me. And man, that's a blessing. I don't see how folks make it without a church family. But he talks about provision. And he's talking about the church providing. Again, I've already said, I've had numerous churches. Preacher, what? Can we do? Can we sing? Can we sing? I said, no. I said, I've got the greatest church in the world, man. I don't need anything. And I say to God, be the glory. I can never repay all that you've done for us. But those prayers, man, I, I mean, how, how do you put a price tag on that? When people hit their knees, when people pray. Genuinely, you come down here on whatever night that was. And I guess it's Monday night maybe and prayed and you can tell me what people can say, all kind of medical things they want to. I'm telling you, prayer turned this situation and this thing around. Not only did he talk about provision, but notice he talked about being pacified in verse 11. He said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. You know, a lot of times we get in situations in our life where we're not content. We want to, 
And a lot of times we think, man, the grass is greener on the other side. You just remember this, grass is always greener over the septic tank. So grass ain't, that, that ain't always a real telltale sign. But you know what? We ought to be content with where we are, with what God's given us. And, you know, he talks about pacification, being pacified. He said, I've learned whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. You know what? Sometimes, Brother Harry, God will do this to us. He'll, he'll allow us to, he'll, he'll just pull back the shades just a little bit. And he'll let us know that the things that we might have been fretting about or wouldn't content about, they really don't matter. They really don't matter. When you get situations like we went through, it sort of opens your eyes that, you know, really, what really does matter? Does the Lord Jesus Christ matter? Absolutely. Does souls matter? Absolutely. Does family matter? Absolutely. Does family heirlooms matter? Absolutely not. Does a piece of property matter? Absolutely not. Does the color of the carpet matter? Absolutely. Does it matter if we sit in hard chairs or so? That really don't matter in the scope of things. He talks about in every situation he's ever been in, therewith to be content. Sometimes we get anxious. Listen, I'm preaching to myself now, but we ain't done. Look at verse number 12. I'm moving on two more. Watch this. He also talks about perception. He said in verse 12, I know both how to be abased. In other words, that means to be put down and to be humble. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He talks about perception. Two times you'll find that verse about I know. Paul said, I know how to be humbled. I know how to be full. And I know how to abound. He was given perception. And I think about this and Paul wouldn't have been the person that God had, wouldn't have been the preacher that God had called him to be without those afflictions and those autobiography that he laid out. I'm pretty sure that's 1 Corinthians 11. It might be 2 Corinthians 11, but that's where he laid out his biography, where he was thrice shipwrecked and, and perils of his countrymen, perils of, uh, of all kinds of problems that come his way. He was bitten by that serpent in Acts 20. All the problems he dealt with, he knew how to be humbled. He knew how to be exalted. Yet God still used him, and he, he knew he had perception. But don't you notice this last thing, tenth thing that he lays out in these verses. He talks about praise in verse 4. He talks about prophecy in verse 5, that the Lord is at hand. He talks about prayer in verse 6 and peace in verse 7. Pondering in verse 8, practicing, putting things by way of application into our life to do them in verse 9. talked about provision in verse 10. He talked about the goodness as the church had been to him. Talked about being pacified in verse number 11, regardless of what comes. And then he talked about perception in verse 12, that he knew some things. But then in verse number 13, again, this is my life's verse. He talked about some power. <laughs> he talked about some power. Boy, I hope you know this. I hope you've experienced this. If you're saved, you have experienced this. But in verse number 13, Paul said this. He said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. There's a power that I've preached it, I've talked about it, I've taught Sunday school lessons about it, I've lived it. This is just another slipper on the foot of one of those areas where you go through life and you've got another opportunity to be a blessing. But there's things I said earlier, Brother Kevin, that, that God's enabled me to do in the last three or four days that I didn't think I'd ever be able to do. And I chalked that up to the power of Almighty God. I won't get into the specifics. I won't get into the details. But I'm telling you this. There's power that God will give you. 
And uh, there's a strength that you and I can draw from. And uh, listen, it's him. At the end of the day, you know, I didn't want to come today. And I need, again, I needed you guys and get more than you needed me. But I needed to be in church. Christy wanted to be in church. But she's still a little bit weak and wobbly. And she's just resting right now. But I think about the power that God gives us, the strength to overcome. You know, the Bible tells us greater greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. we got somebody on the inside. And I'll say this one more time, because what I've witnessed through through my life, again, I have no sob story to tell. Don't you ever think that at all. I'm I'm not grumbling, not one bit. But as I look back through my life and I trace it back, I mean, all I can say is God has been so good to me. He has given me, he saved my soul. He gave me the best uh, family in the world, the best church family in the world. I mean, he's looked after me over and over. He's enabled me to do things that I never dreamed I'd be able to do. And all credit, all honor, and all glory goes to him. You know, Christy and I were talking the other day. It was Saturday. I guess last Saturday when before we got discharged the first time um, or the second time. There was three times involved in there. But anyhow, one of those times, and once we found out she had the stroke, I said, well, look, baby, I said, it's just another chapter in our life. And that's exactly right. But you look back. God's been faithful here. God's been faithful here. God's been faithful here. He settled all of our nerves. He settled all of our anxiety. And I give him honor. And I give him praise. And she said, you know what? With tears in her eyes. She said, you know what? Maybe somebody gets saved out of all this stuff. Maybe somebody get a little closer to the Lord out of all this. Maybe somebody will realize that, you know, that thing that, 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 that really is important to somebody, maybe they'll see that it's really not that important. It sort of opens your eyes and lets you evaluate some things. There's a learning process, but I'm just simply here to tell you, there's power in the Lord Jesus Christ. Things I didn't think I could ever do, the Lord has enabled me. He can enable you. You may be here today. Maybe you've never trusted Christ. You don't know Jesus Christ. Have you, I asked the question earlier. You've got something you say, Preacher, i got something I can live with. But have you got something you can die with? If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, here's the good news. He's got the power to forgive you of all your sin. Regardless of what you've done, where you've been, I'm glad the blood of Calvary can wash away every sin, every iota. And man, you too can have that peace that passeth all understanding, regardless if a stroke comes, heart attack comes, some tragic accident going up and down the road, uh, and you're killed. Man, you can know, man, without a doubt, I'm going to heaven because i got a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He rescues us from hell. He gives us strength all the way through life. He enables us to do the impossible and the incredible. At the end of the day, there's some things we can't do, but I'm glad He is not limited. He's still working on on me. He's still working on you. There's still power available to you and I today. We're standing all over the house. Sister Savannah's coming. I don't know what your need is today, but I know this. God's faithful. God's able. And I don't know if there's something you're dealing with, maybe anxious. Maybe there's something that maybe you put priority in. It really, in the scope of things, maybe God's opened your eyes. You know, this really, really ain't that important. But I know this. God wants to use you. God wants to help you. And God wants to meet that need. But above all, if you're here today and you're lost and you've never been saved, oh, I beg you in Jesus' name to come. Give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus. Oh, you'll be glad you did. He's faithful. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Let's pray, Father. And I sure do love you. And I thank you for the privilege. God, what a blessing. What a joy to be back in your house, to be among your people, among my family. God, I love them. And, Lord, I know you do. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the songs that have ministered to our heart. Now, God, just thank you, thank you, thank you for just being so good. Lord, to me and to our church family.
But God, we give you praise. We give you glory today. God, I pray that you'd help somebody through the book of Philippians, these ten verses, ten simple principles that have been laid out to us, been so valuable to me, Lord. God, I pray that they'd be extended to those in our audience, that we'd apply these principles to our heart and life. God, save that sinner this nearest tale. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. The folks are praying. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service. And every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words and good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? 
That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, you believe Jesus died for your sins and if you asked him to save you then the Bible declares you've been saved if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior then you've been forgiven of all your sin Romans 8 1 declares there is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit once a person has been saved they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.